Welcome to the Generation Life Church Sermon Podcast. We are a life-giving church for everyone. We are multi-generational, multicultural, and exist to multiply by reaching our community both locally and globally with the gospel of Jesus Christ. We pray that this message helps you in your walk with Jesus. I got a question to ask you as we get started. If you knew you only had two weeks left on this earth, what adjustments would you make in your daily life? If you knew you only had two months left on this earth, what adjustments would you make in your daily life? Come on, shoot them out to me. One person may have said, uh, I would read the Bible more. Go ahead. You got one, Joan? That is so good. She said, I would get back with my family that I haven't seen in such a long time. Who else has got something? What adjustments would you make? Quit work, quit my job. All right, everybody's like, that's it. I'm done with this thing. I got two months. <laughs> I'm going to wherever, some tropical place. Anybody else? What else? Maybe somebody might say, I would uh, as, invest as much money in a Roth IRA for my children so that they have something when I leave. But does anybody else have anything else? What other adjustments would you make in your life? I'd be more honest. Thank you for being honest right there. That's the first step right there. Amen. That's good. Anybody else? Say it one more time. Being more forgiving. Oh, that is so, so good. Be more forgiving. I got you thinking, though, don't I? Try to get a little bit closer to Christ. That's so, so good. I guess the question I'm asking is, how would you prepare? How would you prepare? Because you know the next step is hopefully for everybody in this room and watching online is to see Jesus. So how would you prepare? So last Sunday, my brother-in-law, man, he brought a fire message, didn't he? I mean, he brought the word. And um, I was excited because though I was sick, I was going to join online and be part of the whole worship experience with Generation Life Church, and I was really excited about it. And, uh, and Madison, my daughter, she lives in Boone, so she came back from school because she was also sick. And so I said, hey, why don't we just be sick together? We'll watch, you know, the church service online. And so we, we're sitting on the couch together. We got our blanket, you know, <laughs> and, and 13 minutes before this service starts, the power goes out in the house. I'm like, oh. So I'm like, well, at least I have a generator. Like we're, you, for those of you who don't know, we are living kind of like out in the country now. And so one of my neighbors said, you want to prepare in this neighborhood for the power to go out. So you want to get a generator. So being smart, I didn't try to be super spiritual and be like, I don't need no generator. The Lord will electrify my house, you know. <laughs> so we bought the generator, and, and I was grateful for it. And so the only thing is we've never had a generator before. I'm from the city, you know, like we've never done a generator. And so when we got it, Katie and I did the YouTube thing, and we were watching the guy hook it up. And I thought, oh, okay. And so we wrote down a little bit of instruction. You know, you hit this switch here and hit this switch here and then pop this on and bang, bang, bang. And ta-da, what could go wrong? So I step outside to hook up the generator. And when I do, I said, let me go check the instructions that we wrote on the refrigerator real quick. And just a moment of transparency. As a man in the head of my house and all of that, you know, and, and 
I, I could not get that thing to turn on. Like, it was so terrible. It looked like calculus on the side. Of, it was like step one, main switch off. Step two, gen rec on. Step three, all switches off. And I was like, main switch off? Okay, I got that gen. The, the generator or is it the general switch? Or what's going? I just, I, my bad. Like, I'm sorry. I just could not turn the thing on. And so we sat in the dark. Now, if you know anything about being out in the country a little bit, if you don't have electricity, that means you don't have that internet booster. So that means you have no signal. So even though we had the TV set and the sound system ready to go, we watched on this little iPhone and we tried to be with you guys. We were with you in spirit, but it was like the first song came on and then it kind of spun and then like the third song was on and then it spun again. And by the time it reconnected, <laughs> you guys were halfway through the message. And so I was like, all right, never mind. So Katie comes home after the church service. And here's the moment of truth. And she's like, oh my goodness, what are you doing? I'm like, well, we're sitting in the dark, you know, like <laughs> she's like, come on over. And she goes, bang, 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 bang. She's like, fire up the generator. I'm out there. She goes, bang, 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 bang. And all of a sudden, it was like, ta-da! All the lights on in the house. I'm like, oh, man, here we go now. And she's got this saying that, um, you know, sometimes it takes a woman. And if she didn't say that, well, I know she done thunk it, right? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, I could do some stuff too, you know, like, I, I used to roof and, you know, I know how to ride a four-wheeler and stuff. Like, I'm kind of mechanical, kind of. And so we were able to get our power back. And, and you know what? It got me thinking, though. You know, like, it's one thing to own the generator. It's another thing to know how to turn it on, right? It's one thing to own a Bible. It's another thing to know how to turn it on in your life. It's one thing to have the scripture on your phone, on your shelf, everywhere that you could possibly think of. It's another thing to be able to know how to go into the word to extract the promises and the peace of God in your life that's promised to us during times of uncertainty. There's peace in knowing that you have been prepared Peace is found in preparation. I want to ask you a question right now. When Jesus comes back, are you ready to meet with him? When Jesus comes back and you have to be ready in a moment's notice, are you prepared to meet with him? So the title of the message this morning is, uh, it's called Preppers. Preppers. Uh, yeah, Preppers. Um, how many of you guys know some preppers, right? How many of you guys are preppers? I try to be prepared. Hey, I'm, I'm doing the best I can, you know, for an old city boy. I did a quick little Google search on this because I'm fascinated with this, with this term. And uh, I found a couple of things, and, and you might be able to see them online. Take a look at the screen and see if you're able to see. But it seemed like preppers always has like some kind of negative connotation attached to it. Right? Like, like, for example, when I researched, the first thing that popped up was survivalism. Look at this next one, if you can see it. Second one, doomsday prepping goes mainstream. I'm like, okay. Then the statistics pop up that it says there's about 10 to 20 million preppers currently in the United States. Here's another one. When did prepping start? It talks about how it, it's 
growing into a multi-billion dollar industry. But the thing that caught my attention was the very last one, and it said, we mocked preppers and survivalists until the pandemic hit. Right, kind of reminds me like a little bit of Noah in, in some respects. Like, you know, everything was all fun and games until Noah went in that ark and shut the door. And people were like, hey, Noah, hey, um, you know we were playing, right? Like, you know we're, we're, we're cool. Can you open this door, uh, Noah? Hey, Noah, <laughs> my bad. Like, pop this thing open. Like, it's starting to rain. Like, everything was funny. Maybe that's too much for you as far as it relates to the scriptures not quite hitting home. But how many of you remember when that toilet paper shortage came? That hit us all, didn't it? Woo, my. You go to the cabin and you don't have any of that? We've got an issue. Like, there's a lot of things you can go without. That is not one of them. <laughs> that is a situation. Guess who wasn't alarmed? Preppers. Yeah. Those who had prepared didn't feel the pinch when that happened. There is peace in knowing that you are prepared. Preppers is like not, like, like city folks, we don't have that in our vocabulary. Like prepping is just not there at all. You, you never hear of anybody. Prepping in the city is calling the pizza place ahead of time to put your order in before you pick it up. And if you're real good, you've asked everybody what their toppings are, you know, like, like the preppers, they, they put food and, and water and storage and supplies. The only storage that we had in the city is down at Mr. Yen's store on the corner of like Anderson Avenue, right? Like that's our storehouse. So, so it's not very, very common, but when you live way out, it somewhat is. Now, this is not some end of the world message, okay? Just so you know, like breathe in, breathe out. But, but at the same time, it, it kind of is. Like when Jesus comes back, are you prepared to meet with him? So on a serious note, because I don't know like where you're at, um, I've had conversations with people who think it's absolutely ludicrous to have like a little bit of water stashed or maybe some food stashed, you know. And, and so I just wanted to, as a pastor, not trying to alarm anybody, I just want to let you know what the Red Cross recommends. The Red Cross recommends that every family have three weeks worth of supplies, water, food, and anything else that you can think of just in case of an emergency, right? Just in case of a hurricane, just in case we get snow out here in mid-March out of nowhere, right? Just in case of an ice storm, a snowstorm, a power outage, but have you guys seen the news lately? Like, we've got some more serious issues that we're dealing with these days. Has anybody, is, am I by myself? Like, trains coming off the rails and spy planes and balloons up in the sky and food shortages. Are they talking about UFOs? I was watching a White House press briefing. They were talking about UFOs. I was walking by, I'm like, am I tripping? Like, you guys told me, like, Martians from outer space and like, in the White House? What in the world is going on? You got wars and, and Ukraine and Russia and North Korea. And I'm like, I feel like I've read this stuff before in the Bible. Like, I feel like Jesus has talked about this stuff before in the scriptures. And what I love about Jesus is 
He wasn't just Savior and Lord, though he is Savior and Lord. Jesus was the ultimate prophet and the ultimate pastor. He was the shepherd of all shepherds. And so the prophet in Jesus predicted this time that we would be living in right now. And the pastor in Jesus also let us know that there are promises for those who are in Christ that in the midst of chaos, we could still have comfort and peace. Mm. The title of the message, Preppers. Look at somebody and say, prepare. Because what the world sees as problems, believers in Christ see as promises. In the midst of it all, listen, God's got us. You need to hear that today. God's got, God is able to take care of his people. He's been doing this a long, long time. Believe it or not, there have been other crises in the earth that have taken place, and God brought his people through it. So God's got us. I just want to know, are you prepared to meet with Jesus when he comes? Ooh, my, that's a good feeling right there when you know you're ready. Look at somebody say, get ready. Hey, let's go to the scripture. We're going to read a considerable amount of scripture this morning. You guys okay? Yeah, you sure? Online, hopefully you guys are all right. I really don't know, but I'm trusting that you are. Um, We're going to read in the book of Luke chapter number 21 this morning. And we're going to start in verses 5 through 28. And you guys got time, don't you? I mean, if you came in this, you know, we're out here now, we might as well jump into it. Uh, Let let me read something in your hearing. I won't have you read this with me. Um, The word of the Lord says, Luke 21 in verse 5. Some of his disciples began talking about the majestic stonework of the temple and the memorial decorations on the walls. But Jesus said, the time is coming when all these things will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. Teacher, they asked, when will all this happen? What sign will show us that these things are about to take place? He replied, don't let anyone mislead you. For many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and saying the time has come, but don't believe them. And when you hear of wars and insurrections, don't panic. Yes, these things must take place first, but then the end won't follow immediately. Then he added, nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes And there will be famines and plagues in many lands, and there will be terrifying things and great miraculous signs from heaven. But before all this occurs, there will be a time of great persecution. You'll be dragged into the synagogues and prisons, but you'll stand before kings and governors because you are my followers. Watch this. Verse 13 says, but this will be your opportunity to tell them about me. Let me make sure we read that right. But this will be your what? Opportunity Opportunity to tell them about me. Hmm. Got a different outlook on that verse, I guess. So don't worry in advance about how to answer the charges against you, for I will give you the right words and such wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to reply or refute you. Even those closest to you. Your parents, brothers, relatives, and friends will betray you. They will even kill some of you. And everyone will hate you because you're my followers. 
but not a hair on your head will perish. By standing firm, you will win your souls. And when you see Jerusalem surrounded by armies, then you will know that the time of its destruction has arrived. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills. Those in Jerusalem must get out. And those out in the country should not return to the city. For those will be days of God's vengeance, and the prophetic words of the scriptures will be fulfilled. Look at verse 23. How terrible it will be for pregnant women and for nursing mothers in those days, for there will be disaster in the land and great anger against this people. They will be killed by the sword and sent away as captives to all the nations of the world, and Jerusalem will be trampled down by the Gentiles until the period of the Gentiles comes to an end. Got four more verses for you. And there will be strange signs in the sun, moon, and stars. And here on earth, the nations will be in turmoil, perplexed by the roaring seas and strange tides. People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth, for the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Verse 27, then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and great glory. Now watch this. So when all these things begin to happen, stand and look up, for your salvation is near. Ooh, can you say amen? My goodness, look at that fifth verse. The scripture says, it was the, the disciples that pointed out to Jesus the magnificence of the temple. The temple in Jerusalem was everything. Like it was, it was, the, it was, it was the standard. It was the place where they would worship this was the place where, where they would come and, and they would sing together and fellowship together. They sacrificed there. Like the temple in Jerusalem was like Mecca to the Muslims is what the temple was to the Jews. It was everything. And they're like, Master, check this thing out. Can you see how beautiful this thing is? And Jesus is like, yeah. He's like, and then he makes one of the greatest predictions of all time. He predicts that the temple would be torn down, not one stone upon another. Now, if you were living during Jesus's day, this is something that is really significant. This would be like predicting like 9-11. Like this is significant because if this prediction, which is also a prophecy, prediction prophecy, if this prediction were to come to pass, that means that Jesus is a true prophet indeed. And if Jesus is able to say something that is going to come to pass and make a promise and it's fulfilled, that means every promise that he has made, he is also able to fulfill. And so this happened in 70 AD. If you know your history, uh, Israel was invaded. Rome destroyed the temple in 70 AD. And Jesus's prediction came to pass. Powerful. The reason why it's significant is because we know that Jesus, if he can predict with 100% accuracy, it's proof positive. He can also keep every promise that he's ever made to you in your life which is good news, especially when we're dealing with such a heavy subject. God is faithful. 
Now look at verse 8. He replied, don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah and saying the time has come. Don't believe them. Now let's, um, let's just study for a little bit. If you're taking notes, I want you to write something down. Type it in your phone. It's called preterist. Write that in there, preterist, P-R-E-T-E-R-I-S-T. We learned about preterists in Bible college. Um, preterists basically are a group of people who they don't have any fear about the end times. Like they, they don't really, like when they read Luke 21, they're like, oh, no, that already happened. That already was fulfilled in 70 A.D., right? Like we don't need to worry about that. All that stuff was already fulfilled. Also believe the book of Romans, I mean, a book of Revelation, same thing, fulfilled. In fact, in Webster's, uh, preterist is, is one who holds that the prophecies in the Bible about the end times have already been fulfilled. And I can kind of get with that a little bit, like with the destruction of the temple, Jesus prophesied it, it happened, right? Like that was a significant moment in time recorded. Even outside the Bible, writers like Josephus and others, even if you don't have the Bible, this occurred in history, and Jesus prophesied it. But, but take a look at verse 26, because this is kind of like where I'm like, all right, I kind of was with you guys there for a minute, but not necessarily, because the scripture says people will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth, for the powers in the heavens will be shaken. But watch verse 27, because the 27th verse says, then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with great power and glory. Now, to my understanding, now get me if I'm wrong, I might be crazy, but I have not seen Jesus come back yet. Anybody seen Jesus come back yet? If you have, let me know, right? Because like I, so we saw some people who claimed to be Christ, right? but those dudes were crazy. You know what I mean? Like you had people like David Koresh and, and Jim Jones and, oh man, who else? John of God and, and Netflix has got all these crazy guys up there claiming to be Jesus and the Christ. And Jesus is like, listen, don't believe them. He said, because when I come, you're going to know it. Scripture says he's coming on the clouds, and when he does, he's coming back to the earth to reign for a thousand years as king of kings and lord of lords. That's good news. Are you ready to meet with Jesus? And so uh, we already talked about, about enough uh, chaos. Let's look at some comforting scriptures as the believers in Christ. Amen? Some of you guys are like, man, please, pastor, come on, because you got me on edge today. Coming out here on a Sunday morning in the rain. I haven't even had any coffee yet. But let's take a look at some of these things. Just breathe in and breathe out. And, and let's look at the reason why you can have comfort even when the world is spiraling out of control. Let's back it up to verse 21 to get some context. And there will be strange signs in the sun, moon, and stars. And here on the earth, the nations will be in turmoil perplexed by the roaring seas and strange tides. People will be terrified at what they see coming upon the earth, for the powers in the heavens will be shaken. Then everyone will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with power and great glory. So when all these things begin to happen, stand and look for your salvation is near. I want you to write this down. I want you to, to type this in the phone, save it in your notes, Pull it out when you need it. The reason why you can have comfort in the midst of chaos is because God is going to take care of his people. 
We're to have a different outlook than somebody who doesn't know Christ during these times that we're living in. Jesus is saying, listen, there's going to be people who are going to be panicking, but not in your heart. He said, in fact, look up. (laughs) Keep your head up and look because he is coming back. And he is your savior. He is your Lord. If you have repented of your sin and received Christ, there ought to be more peace in you than in those who don't. In fact, it's our place to comfort others in the same way that we've been comforted. Jesus said it's an opportunity in verse 13. Have you ever noticed that how scripture contrasts an out-of-control world But yet, because of Christ, we can comfort others in the midst of chaos. Because of Jesus, you can have peace in the midst of a world that's spiraling out of control. Because of Jesus, you can have joy when the world is falling apart. Because of Jesus, you can have assurance in the midst of chaos because Jesus has comforted you and you are now able to comfort others. You might be like, well, man, hey, hold up a minute now. (laughs) Are you saying for the believer that when we see all of this, we should have courage in our heart and have an assurance in our heart because our redemption is drawing nigh? We're to hold up our heads during this time? And that's what I'm saying. Because every time I've ever heard about end times, it's something that we need to be afraid of. But Jesus is saying, no, 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 you can actually have peace in your heart during this time because of who he is in our lives. Verse 28, so when you see these things happen, stand and look up. Somebody say, keep your head up. For salvation is near. Is that what it said? Maybe we needed to read it in a different translation. Because you know how sometimes people don't read the King James and then they try to put stuff in there? Right? And, and to make it sound like, 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 like something that it's not. So let's read it out of the King James just to make sure. Because I know some of you guys are old school. And when these things begin to come to pass, then look up and lift up your heads. For your redemption draweth nigh. So maybe that little old English was comforting. For, was, oh, okay. Draweth nigh. Now I'll keep the peace of God in my heart. You know, we've got too many extremes in the church. I don't know if you've ever noticed this or not. You know, like we're reading the same scripture, but at the same time, we're just like total opposites on different ends of the equation. You know, like like Jesus said that we, this is how people will know that we're his disciples. Like if we have love for one another, you know, and, and, and but we got different, I'm a researcher, Okay, so I'm like, I'm always on YouTube, I'm always searching, I'm Googling stuff, I'm reading, I've got books all over the place, like, like I'm always researching. I'm, I try to be what the scripture calls a son of Issachar. Those men of Israel who understood their times and knew what Israel should do, right? So I study so I can, so I can come and, and help and lead others, and, and I'm seeing some crazy extremes on the, uh, like, one side over here and one side over here, like, in the church. Like, on one side, you have people who are, like, building underground military bases under their house and storing up food for seven years to ride out the apocalypse so that Jesus can find them underground one day. 
And then you come all the way to the under, other end of the spectrum, and you've got people reading the same scripture that we just read, but are uh, 100% asleep as to what's going on in the world around them, as it relates to the signs of the times that Jesus said to look for because he would be coming back. You got people who are, have no desire, though they claim Christ, no desire to try to repent of sin, to try to live for him. You got people that are sleeping around. They're committing adultery. They're committing for, they're drunk all the time. They're up in the club more than up in the church. It's like, my goodness, don't you understand the times that we are living in? Jesus is coming back, family. It's hard because you don't really get this kind of preaching that much these days. The reality is Jesus is coming back. We've got folks who, who, who are in church and believers, but a, a Democrat can't love a Republican, and a Republican can't love a Democrat. And Jesus is like, man, what's up with that? Like, this is how they'll know you're my disciples, if you have love for one another. So drop all that other stuff and just love each other. And stop all this nonsense and all this racism and all this division. Not in the church. The church is the example of what the love of Christ is supposed to be. Jesus said, listen, when he comes back, he doesn't want to find you trying to hide from him. He doesn't want you living in sin. These are the days, to, if you've got sin in your heart, to get it right with Jesus. Because he wants us to be able to celebrate him when he comes back. Not hiding. We want to be like, Jesus, we're so thankful thankful you're coming. Hey, somebody say amen. amen. Yeah. I don't want to say anything. Oh, I wish I had a church this morning. I won't do you like that. I just want to say, listen, verse 13 says, this is your opportunity to tell them about me. Let me speak to my people on social media. Listen, Jesus loves you, and he gave his life for you. Come on up out of that woman's bed. You know you should not be there. Come on up out of that man's arms. You know he's not yours. Come on up out of that club. Come on up out of that, that area that you are. Come out of that bar. Come on into the church. Find Christ. Know that he's got a plan and a purpose for your life. He died on the cross for you. That's how valuable. You are to him. Somebody shout amen. So I opened up this message by saying, what if I told you that if you only had two months to live on this earth, what would you do different in your daily life? For the apostles, we don't necessarily get, or the disciples before Christ left the earth uh, same men became the apostles, but we don't have like that conversation. Uh, Jesus kind of just dropped a bomb on them, and then we, we move on. Even if you read in the chronological Bible, like I, I searched all of them, and, and he drops a bomb on them, and we really don't have like their questioning necessarily after that. Like, so Jesus, should we get some food? You said don't come back into the city. Should we like be like red dawn up in the mountains, you know what I mean? Like, what, what should we do? The only thing we have is their response. What they did in response to what Jesus told them in Luke 21, in Matthew 24, and in other scriptures referring to his coming, is their response 
was to tell as many people about Jesus as possible. What's your response to the scripture? Well, I can tell you it's to tell as many people about Jesus as possible. So maybe, maybe you're here today and you're like, all right, I knew that um, I felt like the Lord dropped something in my heart that um, there would be those who are, are faithful but still fearful. You're like, you know what? I mean, every time, I, like, I can tell you when I was not walking with the Lord, I didn't want to hear anything about end times. I didn't want to hear anything about the scripture. You know, you'd be talking to me, I'm like, ah, da, da, da. Like, I don't, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to be accountable for what I hear, right? So I don't want that truth in my heart. I'm not going to church. <laughs> and, and so I just want to, to, to speak to somebody who might be like, you know what? I, I hear what you're saying. I hear the promises of Jesus. I, I, I hear the words that are, are, are being spoken and that we need to have peace and we can have comfort in the midst of chaos. But Lord, I'm just, I'm just not there yet. Like, remember that guy in the scripture? He was like, Lord, I believe, but help my unbelief. He's like, I want to believe and I want to be, be, I want to be certain and I, and I want to be, uh, I want to be faithful and, and be used and serve you, but I'm just, I'm having a challenging time with it. And I only got one point for you today. I just wanted to give you one application point and it's something that has worked uh, for me to be able to have peace, even when you're going through chaos, to have peace when you're going through a, a rough spot. To have peace when you're, you're seeing, oh my goodness, this thing is out of control. I would say one, maybe limit your news intake. <laughs> that might be helpful. Um, but here's something that's worked for me. And um, it's one point. I'll pick up the rest next week. Prepare your heart to meet with Jesus. And this is not in your notes, but put it in parenthesis if you would. In worship. Prepare your heart to meet with Jesus in worship. Listen, worship is medicinal. Worship is, is more than just singing songs. Worship changes an atmosphere. You see how Aaron just came up and started playing? He can take over this whole room. He could come up and play something that's appropriate for this moment that we're in now, or he could just get on there and be like, and I'll be like, you know, no, 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 don't do that to me. No, no, I'm just getting over bronchitis and then I might lose the voice easily, you know, still sensitive in there and stuff. But, but worship changes things. Worship not only blesses the Lord, but worship also changes our heart. So if I'm going through a difficult time, some of the most difficult seasons I've ever been through, I'm listening to as much worship music in, to get into my heart as possible. And then I'll go to the scripture. Some of you might be like, oh, no, I got to get that word for it. Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you. I want to get myself in worship, and then I'm going to the scripture and to prayer. Like worship is something that I can listen to while I'm driving down the road with tears in my eyes. Lord, you don't know what they did to me. You don't know what they said to me. God, we're going through the most difficult time of our lives. Lord, I have no idea how we're going to pay the rent tomorrow. What am I going to do? And I'll just be like, you know what? I'm just going to listen. I'm going to turn this music up, and I'm just going to trust you, Lord. I'm going to let this minister to me right now. In fact, I'm going to minister to you while you minister to me. 
This might be too deep for some of you, but if you can get a hold of it, I want you to listen to 1 Samuel chapter 16 and verse 23. And if you can, read the entire chapter of 1 Samuel 16 when you go home. David was a musician. Go back and do research on David. He was a shepherd boy. He went through some of the hardest seasons of his life out on a field, but he always had a song. He always had worship in his heart, rejected by his father, cast to the side. I mean, this, this kid went through the hardest, challenging times of his life. That's even hard for us. But he always worshiped the Lord while he was out there. In fact, he was so strong in his gift that when the king, Saul, was troubled by an evil spirit in the kingdom of Israel, they called David. Let me read you something. Verse 23, 1 Samuel 16 and 23 says, And so it was, whenever the Spirit from God was upon Saul, that David would take a harp and played with it in his hand. Then Saul would become refreshed and well, and the distressing spirit would depart from him. Did you catch that? So Saul was troubled by, by a spirit, probably had anxiety. And David would come in and he would play the harp with his hands. And when he played that worship, the evil spirit departed from Saul. Now, if you're part of the worship team, you've heard this before. I've encouraged our team before to know that when you sing a song and you worship, it's more than just singing a song. It's more than just leading people to sing. There's something that's taking place in someone's heart that God can minister to somebody. That's why I never give up on anybody. I don't care if they're in a prison cell. They can hear the word of God. They can sing where they are. The word can penetrate concrete walls. The word can go through any environment and completely change the atmosphere. And somebody could say, you know what? I'm going to get up out of this. I'm, God's going to get me through this. I, I may have come in in tears, but I'm leaving in joy. Oh, God, I, I don't want to preach too hard this morning. That's why I'm sitting down. But I just want to tell you, prepare your heart in worship. So I've got a resource for you. On GenerationLifeChurch.com's website, I want to challenge you to go to <clears throat> the Gen Life Worship tab. When you click on that, we've put a Spotify playlist of worship music on there so that all you have to do is click play and turn up your speaker. There's 10 hours of music on there. I want somebody to take the 10-hour challenge this week. All right, I mean, I just want you to let it play. If you have to press pause and come back, fine. But I want to see, and I want you to indulge if you would, I want you to see how worship is able to change the atmosphere in your house. If the kids come home, they had a bad day, play some worship music. Let them walk up into some worship music. Like, there needs to be more. Uh, there, we need to be able to have worship beyond church on Sunday. You understand what I'm saying? Like, like do, ha, have you resourced yourself to create an atmosphere of worship in your own home or in your own car? Ah, gosh. 
I see the worship. Men, I, I know we'll get surround sounds and we'll spend $1,000 or more so that we can watch our football games and our basketball games. And Chelsea, I'll say it. Shout out to Duke for winning their thing. Yep, I'll, I, I got you. NC State fans and UNC ought to say amen as well because at least they came from Carolina. But anyway, I, I, we'll spend all this money on creating atmospheres in our man cave, but that's cool. Like, I want to have a man cave too, but, but, but can we at least put the same amount of energy into meeting with God in worship? Right, so, th so that we can say, you know what? I might not be able to get to church for another four days, but I'll worship right here. Devil, you're a liar. I'm going to worship God right now until I find peace in my own heart. Have you created an infrastructure for worshiping God in your own house? doesn't have to be too fancy either. Doesn't, Jesus said, if you have a closet, I'll meet you there. If you designate a place to meet with me, I will. it might be in your car on the way home. But would you worship the Lord this week? All right, so generationlifechurch.com. Going to go to the Gen Life Worship tab. You're going to click that, and you're going to play that Spotify playlist. All the worship songs we do in here, and, and I even put a little of my own flavor in there of what I like to listen to. Um, so I just want to encourage you. Let's prepare our hearts to meet with the Lord through worship. Hey, listen, it's one thing to know how to, to have a generator. <laughs> it's another thing to know how to turn it on. It's one thing to have a Bible. It's another thing to know how to make it work for us. This is how we make it work for us. We apply the scriptures to our lives. We worship the Lord when we're going through hard times. Why don't we do that? Why don't we stand and let's go before the Lord and let's start right now on our 10-hour time of worship. We'll go before the Lord in prayer and then our team can lead us in song. Preppers, part one. I got part two for you next Sunday. If you come back, I know that you're ready for business. If you don't come back, I know why. <laughs> Father, we give you thanks for this day, Lord. We thank you for your word. Father, we thank you for the power that there is in worship. Lord, we thank you that um, you have already foreseen all that would take place. Lord, you've made us promises. Father, you've, you've allowed us to, uh, to have, have your word, to be able to prepare our hearts Father, as, um, as we look to you, Lord, we thank you that you are faithful, that you are true. Lord, that you are able to do all things and whatever you promised, you're able to bring to pass in our lives. Father, may the peace of God be with us this week. And these, these, these many days, weeks, months, years to come, Lord, as we see what's going on in our world, Lord, may the peace of the Holy Spirit be in our hearts because we have the Spirit of God that lives on the inside of us. We love you, Lord. We worship you. We give you thanks for who you are in our lives. And it's in your name we pray, Lord Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Generation Life Church Sermon Podcast. We pray that this message inspired, encouraged, and challenged you in your walk with Jesus. 
Join us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. in person at Orange High School or online via our YouTube channel. For more information about Gen Life or to connect with us, visit generationlifechurch.com.